This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Isaiah chapter 25, uh, today as we prepare to conclude this series, uh, it has been a, a blessing the way that people have uh, responded, and um, uh, God has been so faithful. We are recording this, correct? Am I, am I correct? Because I, I've been in trouble because some people miss their uh, uh, one of the sermons, and, and I, I won't say, uh, uh, well, I will say it's my wife, and, and she missed one of them. <laughs> And she's like, I, I have not got a copy yet. And so, but um, we're talking about uh, uh, the mountains are calling. The mountains are calling. Uh, Father, open this word to us. Open it today that we might see clearly what it is. And Lord, you see these other things that this morning are going on in other campuses and all that my heart is, is yet even there in concern and care and and pastoring, Father, and I pray, Lord, that right now that everything that happens today would be according to your perfect will and your perfect plan as each is ministering to their young people today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So Isaiah chapter 25, we started this, this study. Now, we're talking about the mountains are calling, and I've had really enjoyed as people have been snapshotting pictures of t-shirts and bumper stickers and different things as they've seen this, the mountains are calling, uh, and I must go. And we talked last week about that it also finishing that statement was, and I will work on while I can studying incessantly, that I'm going to do everything I can to prepare myself to be ready for my opportunity to go up the mountain. We started talking out of about Deuteronomy 1 and 6 and Deuteronomy 2 and 3 that says you've been around this mountain long enough, it's time to go north or go up, okay? It's time to make up your mind. But Isaiah chapter 25 speaks of a specific set of mountains or a mountain that says, on this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast a, rich, a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. It's interesting that something is covering the mountain. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces and he will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. How many are thankful that the Lord's in the process of removing his, our disgrace from all the earth? Amen. And so we, we talked about mountain people, beach people. We talked about all those things. But what we really have come to in this series, we realize that we've got to get up the mountain and, and, and we climb those mountains by learning the lesson of each mountain. So we've, we've talked about what each mountain is trying to teach us and that we climb those mountains by learning the lesson of each mountain. So uh, uh, that's one of our points for you today, and, as I'm, and I want you to get that and, and get that in, in your heart today. But let me also tell you another reason that we get up the mountain is that we, we get up the mountain because it gives us a different perspective. Now, while you're on top of the mountain, you have to be, you have to be careful what perspective you choose to see. 
I'll not forget, uh, Christina just, she loves to climb, you know, hike and, and, and God, God bless the hikers. And so I, I was trying to be a good husband and I, I thought I will climb up to the top of, of the falls here, uh, in Dawsonville with her. So I, we go up the mountain. As we get up the mountain, by the time we get to that first level, I'm thinking this was a, not a great idea. By the time we get to the second level, I'm thinking, oh my God, what have I done? And there's a bridge that crosses the water on top. Have you been up there far enough? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Some of you are smart enough not to know what I'm talking about. But, but as we get to that bridge, she's just having fun. She just, she's just, and I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm just going to stay here for a moment. You just go on over there. If you want to go up there, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and watch the water for a minute. And I was seeing stars. So I sat down on the bridge. And this was my prayer. Oh God, please don't let me die up this mountain. And as I'm sitting there, kind of just trying not to pass out, looking up toward the, you know, few feet a, a, a higher is the waterfall there. And I was just looking up toward the waterfall. And as I'm sitting there, these people come running up the mountain. And as they, they get up the mountain, <laughs> They go, oh, what a wonderful place to sit and gain perspective on the waterfall. And they just come sit with me. <laughs> I'm trying not to die. And they're, they're, they're thinking, oh, sir, you must have been here many times. I'm thinking, not a chance. <laughs> but you know the best place to sit. This is just an amazing, get pictures from here, honey. <laughs> I was like, don't take pictures. It may be the last shot I'm ever in. Remind me, I was in Durango, Mexico. They took me up to the top of the mountains there surrounding Durango. It's in a, a basin there. And they took me up to the volcanic mountains and they took me way up to the top of the mountain. And as, as some of you may have been with me there, but as we're walking, all of a sudden you see a cloud just out in the sky and we we're so high in the mountains that the cloud blows toward the mountain. And as the cloud blows toward the mountain, it engulfs the top of the mountain where we're walking and you don't know how far you have to go. So we're kind of, you know, we're, we're inching along because you're in the, the clouds. And I, I looked at the team around me and I, I said to them, I said, I said, we are walking in the clouds. And one joker in the group said, pastor, this is not abnormal. You do this all the time. I said, excuse me. He said, yeah, we call it fog. And I said, oh, you have a lowlander's mentality. Because all you see is fog, but I see a cloud. And when you get to these lessons of the mountains, if you look at it with the wrong mentality, you'll see a burden. You'll see something that you have to struggle up. But if you look at it with the right mentality, you'll see an opportunity to change and elevate your life. And so we started talking about the mountains, and some of you are going, he's going to get himself in trouble again. There's only one mountain left, and he's not going to make it. We're going to make it today. But the mountains, we realized, were put there to be climbed. And as these mountains are meant to be climbed, we are the ones that must climb the seven biblical mountains, okay? There are seven biblical mountains 
that should be climbed. The first mountain that we came to, anybody remember the first mountain we came to? Moriah. Moriah was the mountain of engagement. Okay, it's where I learn God's faithfulness because when I engage in God's ways, God engages in my life in a new reality, in a new way. And so many of you are wondering where God is. A lot of times God is just one step away. All you need to do is start walking toward him. The mountain of engagement. The next mountain we came to was a powerful mountain that we we're going to talk about a little bit later when we're talking about today's mountain, but was the mountain of, of what? Sinai. Was this mountain was the mountain of instruction. Here, the Ten Commandments, the, the law, the Torah was given. Here, God talked with Moses face to face. It was here that Moses learned God's ways. And, and when he learned God's ways in the presence of God, when he came down off the mountain to the debauchery of the golden calf, it was so uh, shocking to him. Because he had been in the presence of God and he was walking according to the will of God. And when you've been in the presence of God and walked according to the will of God and you come down into sin's valley, it kicks you right in the gut. And we talked about the importance of realizing that if you've lost that kick in the gut, you're in trouble. If sin no longer upsets you, there's a problem. If you can walk amongst sin and not feel a burden for those who are engaging in sin, there's a problem. Well, let me just say this way. If you would rather engage with them than try to rescue them, there's a problem. And then we came to the next mountain, which is important because once you've learned God's ways, then you have to make a decision. Anybody remember that mountain's name? Gershom. And this is the mountain of decision, the mountain of decision. And I'd never seen this story in scripture that comes out of Joshua chapter eight before, but in this, this passage, it tells us that, that Joshua sets the people between two mountains, Gershom on, Gershom on one side and Ebal on the other side. And he said, now some of you face this way, representing those who do not want to follow God's ways. And some of you face Gershom, those who want to follow God's ways. And, and we watched it as we saw in scripture that, that sometimes we make up our minds, yes, I'm going to serve God and we're going God God's ways, but there's those other moments of our lives where we say, not a chance, and I'm going to go my way, but we try to serve God with our head looking back over our shoulder. So we don't want to abandon God, but we're not willing to obey him either. And so we talked about the importance of making up our minds, settling whether or not we're going to serve the Lord. You see, uh, some mountains are given to help us make up our minds if we're going to live up to what we have been called. Then the next mountain that we came to was Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo was the mountain of life purpose, where God let Moses see the promised land, where God reminded him that sometimes it takes a lifetime to accomplish your purpose. See, most of us are looking for a little checklist of of things to do. We want to get our honeydew list done so we can go do what we want to do. But yet, some things are worth investing a lifetime. And they may not even come to fruition until after our lives are over. 
Do you know how they built the great cathedrals of Europe? They built the great cathedrals not a day at a time, but a generation at a time. Let me say that again. Not a day at a time, but a generation at a time. One generation's job was, this is very important, was to plant a forest. Their job was to plant a forest. And as they planted a forest that would grow and become the timbers that would be used in the cathedral, then their their children would begin with them and that transition to uh, dig out the foundations. And then as the generation would change yet again with another generation coming on the scene, the trees would have now grown to the place that they could be uh, the timbers of support and could be the, 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 the future furniture and the things that would have to be harvested from there. And, and so the stones were, had been hewn and everything was in place so that when one generation, two generations back had prepared for the success of a, another generation... And we must realize that our life purpose has to go beyond ourselves. Thank you. Too good a point to have to wait on the amen. Our life purpose must be not about me trying to figure out how to get started. It must be about how do I now at this stage of my life enable others to get started. I sat with these group of young leaders this week, working with them, teaching them, uh, talking with them about here's what you probably want to say, here's how you might want to say that, and listening and then taking what they were their heart was and showing them how to craft that so that it can be communicated effectively. Why? It was a simple moment that they're going to be speaking, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to prepare them for their future. I thought about the difference and how that's just changed in a few generations. Back when I started preaching, you got this. You want to preach tonight? Yes, and that was about it. Now we say, all right, where are you going? How are you getting there? Hey, let me hear it first. Because we realize our time is so important and, and there might be somebody there that this is their first time to hear the gospel. We then came off of Nebo and we went up Mount Carmel, the mountain of restoration. It was here that God would send the fire to purify. And we talked about how that before the fire of the Holy Spirit can come on Pentecost, that you have to go up Carmel and let the Holy Spirit purify the sin out of your life. And say that again, we weren't called to live like animals. We were called for royalty. There's a verse in the scripture that says that Samuel took Saul and taught him the ways and the behavior of royalty. We are the children of the Most High God. And though we have been raised outside of the palace, there is a behavior of royalty. There is an etiquette of royalty. There's a way that we don't carry ourselves with haughtiness, but we carry ourselves with grace. And this is important that we learn on Mount Carmel. We ended up going up Calvary the next. It's where I lay down. This is the mountain of sacrifice. It's where I lay down uh, uh, whatever it is I'm carrying for a greater cause. 
It's when I realized that, that Christ is worth so much more. I would like to give you the line from that mountain that I felt that really, really summed up so much and, and has ministered to me. A few verses contain the sacrifice of Christ, but the earth could not contain the volumes that could be written as its results. Each of us walking pages of testimony of what God has done. You see, it's when we climb up Calvary that we declare that he is greater than our pain, sweeter than our pleasure, and better than our bitterness. And we lay it all down. Which brings us to the seventh mountain. The seventh mountain. That mountain is Zion. The mountain of Revelation. If you were to go to Jerusalem today, you can climb up Mount Zion very easily. There's a road that comes off down out of the Joppa Gate. You go down uh, from there, Joppa Gate, down to the bottom of the brook area. You cross the little bridge. You start up the hill. And an athletic person could probably do that in five minutes. I'll see you in an hour. But it's a gentle walk down and then a pretty steady little climb up. You turn to back to your right, you see Jerusalem. You turn to your left, crest a little hill, it, up the hill, but crest the hill. And I, I've, I've done this. So I, I, I've walked up that hill, not, not begrudgedly, but unintentionally. We were staying on top of that Mount Zion and my wife said, I, I would love to have a Coke Zero right now. Which is interpreted, if you're ready, go find one. So I came out and turned to the left and said, I think there's some markets here and, and walked up that hill and it's much further than it looks in a car. But as I crested that hill, you can see Bethlehem open before you. And I will always remember that, that day as I could only imagine, uh, uh, hearing the bleeding of the sheep that were raised as the Passover lambs. So that's Zion. Zion is just a simple divider between Bethlehem, that place there, the, uh, uh, that we, of course, know as Christ's birthplace, the birthplace of David, and Jerusalem. But, but Zion is more than a physical mountain. Zion is a place of revelation. And all throughout Scripture, we realize that Zion is not just a location, it is a revelation. Again, this is important. Zion is not just a location, it is a revelation. Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 3 tells us this, People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's gods. There he will teach us his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. For his words will go out from Jerusalem. This is important. The ways of the Lord, the, the way to follow God will go out of Zion, where his words then will come out of Jerusalem. Zion is more than a hill between the two. It is a, a spiritual reality. You see, Zion is believed to be 
the realm in which God is enthroned. Psalms 87.5 said it this way, And of Zion it will be said, This one, and that one was born in her, and the Most High himself shall establish her, that God shall, shall enthrone himself there in her, is what the Scripture is saying. Now, we, it's interesting enough that, that it becomes a place to where something, the ways of God are taught from this place. The ways of God, it is there within this place that God will abide. It is within this place that God will, watch this now, that God will take up his throne. And yet I remember these words, that you are the temple of the living God, that the Holy Spirit has now come to dwell within you. Because Zion is a synonym for the people of God. It's where the Holy Spirit dwells. We must go up a mountain that we go up, and as we go up, we realize we cannot be prepared to become that mountain of God, to live on that mountain of God until we've realized the lessons of the other six mountains. And as, as we get to the top of that mountain, we remember that it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, but you have come to the Mount Zion and the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem and to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, those whose names are written down in glory. Watch this now. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. But you have come to Mount Zion. We are the people of God. And as the people of God, we have become the inhabitation that we are. We are living sacrifices, but yet you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And generations and generations defile the temple of the Holy, of the living God in the scripture. And yet it now falls to us. Will we honor the temple? Will we live holy? Will we live righteous? Will we live just? Will we become what happened when they honored the temple? The glory was manifest on earth. What happens when we honor the temple? The glory is manifest on earth. Oh God, send your glory to cover the earth. But yet it's in us and through us that he wants to make himself known because he said what? He didn't say, I am a city. He said, you are a city set on a hill. Amen. So in Zion that we realize that it is God's light that shines through us. For out of Zion, the perfection of beauty will God shine forth. It is on, or it is in living in the realm of Zion. It is living in the confidence to know that God now dwells within us, that God walks with us and he talks with us. It is there that praise is perfected because perfected praise rises. This is important from the place of perfect rest. In other words, until you know who you are in God, you will never be able to praise him the way that he deserves. Because if every time you raise your hands, all you can think about is why your hands should not be raised, that is not a perfected praise. 
But when you lift up your voice and lift up your eyes and get your eyes off of your failures and you lift up holy hands made clean by the blood of the living God and you declare that he is worthy and he is holy and he is just and he is righteous and in spite of who you are, you give him all the praise. That's where praise is perfected. See, that's where we learn to worship even when we're in a place that we don't like. Zion is where you will learn how great is our God. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord and call upon his name. This is Isaiah chapter 12. Declare his deeds among his peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. It is in the confidence that we have in Christ that Zion is the hope of the afflicted. Not that I would have to get to some location. When you ascend Moriah today, there on Moriah, you will find a church that has become what I, I believe to be much uh, disgrace upon the earth. And there in that church, pilgrims will come from all over the world. And there in that church, they're burning all kinds of incense. And I know people worship differently, and I'm not trying to sound critical, but they literally will writhe uh, their bodies against the stones within inside of this church, believing that this is the place where Jesus died. And, and they, will, they, they, they will take, because they have some kind of a miracle they need, so they, they, they want to rub uh, up against the stones, hoping just, just hoping that by getting to a location, they can find the Spirit of God, hoping that if I can just get to Jerusalem and get to the spot where he gave his life for me, I could find the Spirit of God. And if you've been there, you understand that the feeling, that the depression and the darkness, that the hopelessness that yet thrives within inside of this building. I don't even like to go inside of this building. I'll take a group to the outside and say, if you want to see it, go ahead. But I, this is this is how far I'm going with you. And, and and as I've stood there so many times, just just thinking about all the people that have come to there, they're looking for God. But yet I am convinced that neither death nor life nor principality nor darkness shall or what though I ascend to the highest mountain or go to the lowest depths of hell itself, that nothing shall separate me from the love of the living God. Why? Because I don't have to look for him. I have become a spiritual Zion. I have become the place where God wants to dwell and I no longer look for him. But what I do is I lift up my voice and somewhere within inside of me comes my hope. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, scripture says. Deep calls out. To, am I making sense to anybody today? That, that I don't have to look for God because of Zion. He is in me. You don't have to run to televangelists and to church after church. You need to learn to plant your feet and stand your ground and find your praise and follow him in holiness and you shall see the salvation of the Lord. That's the beauty of Zion. Listen, this is uh, Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who follow after, your, after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called 
him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hallelujah. Can I have just just a moment more? Listen to what this says. Watch this. I think it's powerful. It says that from Zion, watch this, watch this, from Zion shall the law go out, Scripture teaches us. Not the Torah. For the Torah was not given on Zion. The Torah was given on Sinai. The Torah went forth from Sinai. But the law, watch this, of Zion shall go forth. What is that law? The law of light. The law of light. That out of Zion will come a truth that will destroy every darkness that is within us and around us. That a light will shine. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. It is the darkness destroying truth unto salvation. For Jerusalem, the gospel has, was, came and has gone forth to the nations, first to Jerusalem, then to Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. But from Zion, the light has shone through the darkness. And this is the truth you need to know. We have marveled long enough at the mountains from a distance. It's time to climb. It's time to become. It's time to possess. What do you need to do to climb a mountain? Are you ready for this? Keep your eyes on the mountaintop. Keep your eyes on the mountaintop. As a young leader in church, I was given a, a class of junior boys. So we decided that it would be the proper thing to take them on a camping trip. And I remember trying to herd cats as it felt like up that mountain. And there was this one boy who was normally one of the more active and physically fit young men out of the group, but he kept lagging behind. And so I said to him, what's the problem? He said, I'm exhausted. My pack is too heavy. Finally, after fussing and fussing and fussing and almost losing him time and time again, I said, give me your bag, get up the mountain. By the time I got to the top of that mountain, I was a very young man, so I was much better shaped than by the time I got to the top of that mountain, I sat down and just kind of clunked his bag down and I said, boy, what do you have in this bag? I mean, did you bring enough food for a week? We're only here one night. He said, oh, no. He said, as he started to show me, he said, I found some beautiful rocks along the trail. <laughs> 
rocks. You're lucky I don't throw you and those rocks off this mountain. I found some beautiful rocks along the trail. You see, he was having trouble getting to where God was calling him to go because he was trying to carry things he had no business to carry. You will never surmount these mountains and learn their lessons if you're determined to take things that you should not carry along the way. So what you need to do is get your eyes on the mountaintop and lay aside the weights which so easily beset you that you might run the race with endurance. Why? And how? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus looked beyond the climb to the joy at the top. There's joy, folks, ahead of us. There's joy. There's a better place. It's waiting for us. But we need to learn these lessons along the way. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence and for your power and your grace and your goodness. And Lord, I ask you that in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will equip us and anoint us. And Lord, help us to be what you have chosen us to be, the people of the Most High God, a royal priesthood. Lord, we know that you want to live in us on a new level. And every challenge that we face was given to prepare us for your presence. Help us, O God. Forgive us of our unrighteousness. Cleanse us from our sin. And let us walk in the perfected presence, perfected rest that comes in knowing that our Redeemer lives and we are settled in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, thankful for Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.